welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. And welcome back to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, week six in the books. 11 undefeated teams left at the FBS level. Um, maybe as many as two dozen still in the college football playoff hunt. And Barton, uh, a week six that when we're looking at it, um, I felt like we saw some affirmation maybe when it comes to Notre Dame. I think we saw some uh, questions answered as it pertains to the SEC East, probably more questions to ask as well. Uh, how are you feeling as we sit here on Sunday afternoon uh, with the f- finale of the college football weekend, just hours in the rearview mirror? Is that the best weekend of the season so far? Is that am I? Is there a little recency bias there by me, or is that the best weekend of the season so far? I feel like there are good games all over the place. That was I. I'm going to say recency bias because right, I'm already forgetting some other good weekends. Well, I think that that's just putting a little bit too much stock into uh, like like we saw the SEC East when it played its first concert at the local hall. You know, like all of a sudden everybody wants to talk about this SEC East. We were there first. We were the SEC East hipsters in this situation. And now we've got a lot of interesting results, I think. And that's probably why you think it was the best weekend. Well, I think the reason I probably think it was the best weekend is because they're like, we were talking before the show. Look, I think they're, they're like good games in every window. And probably one of the best games of the year so far for that to kick off the 11 a.m. Central window in that Texas OU Red River shootout. Agree. That, that set the tone and kind of had maybe maybe flavored the rest of the weekend for me. So, well, let's start I, right there, man. Like yeah, yeah, that's, I think that, that was to me. That's the big, that was like the most important outcome game of the weekend. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, for on so many levels, right? Like this is, it is the most important for uh, Texas. It is the most important for the big 12 race. It is very important nationally because of uh, what, Texas and all of his backness might mean. And then like on even the microscopic levels for the things we learned about this football team, which has come so far since that disappointing season opener. Yes. I, I mean, Texas, I mean, what a, like if, what a satisfying win if you're a Texas fan to watch that. And because I do think this is the first, this is the first time where we've been able to really sort of, where Texas being back isn't like a joke. Like you can kind of say it and be and, and be able to defend it and actually feel confident in it. Not just because they won the game, but I think more specifically because of sort of the way they won the game. For the first time, <clears throat> I, I don't know. So like the, the problem with Texas for so long has been all these entitled players, how do we get them tougher mentally, physically, whatever. That, that, was, that was a more physical team. That was a team that was tougher than Oklahoma. I think in every, in every facet of the game. And when I look at like just the – I think that's probably, like I said, a really satisfying way to see it, your team win the game because they won it because their offensive line was just – more physical than Oklahoma up front. They had a defense that was going to get after you. Yeah, you're always going to give up a few big plays to Oklahoma, but they, you know, they took some punches and they punched back, and then they, they made big plays, and they, you know, had a quarterback that was just didn't make any mistakes and and grinded out tough yardage, and they had big receivers that played big, and it was just the first time where Texas just felt like. It wasn't some front-running program trying to fake it as a blue blood. Like for a while, they just felt like they they felt like because they were wearing the Texas jersey that they deserved to win. And this was a game they went out and they went and they just sort of grabbed it and took it and wouldn't give it back. I've got to look at this one um, probably in the context of the TCU win, the USC win, going to Kansas State and winning for the first time since 2002. Because we've, I mean, Charlie Strong won the Red River. Remember we got that epic picture of him where you saw his big long finger at the yep. perfect angle with the with the big golden hat on like 
Texas can win the Red River game. Texas can get Oklahoma in spots like this and be able to play up to that level. But man, to 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 look at this within the context of this season, you know, like did you see uh, our man Dennis Dodd with the uh, with with the press conference back and forth with Tom Herman? No, he he. I mean, he said uh, he said so. Is Tom Tom is uh, is Texas back? And Tom Herman's reply was, "Now I've got to tread very lightly here, Dennis." but I'm not going to downplay what this means for this team and and the progress that's been made. And I think that now we have to balance like our reaction, which is going to say, all right, well, you know, Texas has wins over TCU and Oklahoma. They're the big 12 title favorites with also probably leaving room for some prove it. Right. Like, isn't it fair to try and get some perspective and patience here on this Texas team? Of course. I think you're all, we're, I mean, we've, I can't. I think I've used this with Texas uh, this year. Like we're we're still the, you know, the lover scorned a little bit. We're still we still gotta, you know, th- there's some trust that that's got to be earned back. And and yeah, we've had a flashy win before. Uh, so, but according think, to like the standings math, they are like a front runner to at least make that Big Twelve championship game. I just don't see a path where this Texas team does not have even by virtue of tiebreakers, one of those two spots in, on that conference championship Saturday. And if you're playing on conference championship Saturday, man, you got a shot. I mean, they will probably, barring a collapse, I mean, I would expect them to be favored in all their remaining games. I mean, they'll they'll be favored against Baylor. They'll be favored against Oklahoma State, who's been showing some troubling signs lately. West Virginia, they got at home, which might, you know, which, which should be, give them the edge. Texas Tech is dangerous, but they'll be favored in that game, and Iowa State is sort of the same same category. So I think in some ways, yeah, like we, by, by beating Oklahoma, and even by beating USC and TCU at the time they did, uh, you know, at the time those games took place, we have now crossed, like we've, we've climbed the mountain of, and, and crossed the bridge of... Of backness? <laughs> No, no, like I think of win of winning a quote big game. So now the the test is winning the games you're supposed to win. And that's gonna be probably in some ways just as difficult. I mean, yeah, they they got up for the Red River shootout. Um that's not been hard for Texas to do, even when they've been down. Now we gotta see if they get up for Baylor. We gotta see if they'll get up for playing in Lubbock in a couple weeks. You know, that those are the sort of games now that remain for Texas to really uh cement their backness. What about Oklahoma? How do you how do you uh come out of this result feeling about the Sooners? And you know, the easy talking point here is absolutely the defense. Was there anything else other than that that made you change your idea of what Oklahoma's ceiling is this year? I mean, was there anything else for you? I mean, for me, it was it was I guess the the obvious. It looks like the same team as last year. Yes, they could run the table still and win, beat Texas again, and then you know maybe they make the playoffs. But uh, I see the same team as last year in the sense that they're gonna if they play a team that's physical and can grind the football, they're they just can't stop people. They can't. They just can't anchor down and defend the run in any kind of physical manner. And so I I've, I still, you know, hey, I still enjoy watching Oklahoma play, but they have they have certainly fallen from the from the graces of like the elite sort of first tier in this 2018 season to me. Wow. I'm are, have they not for you? Are I just, you are you less are you less down on them than I am? Yeah, I just I don't I don't see how you can come out of that game um, with such a dramatic uh, adjustment. If like, I think, I think that you can believe in Texas and I think that you can acknowledge that Oklahoma's defense does and has for the last three or four years, plenty of flaws and still look at Oklahoma and say, Hey, Oklahoma could win the rest of its games, make the college football playoff and probably give Notre Dame a run, probably give Georgia a run probably like maybe beat Clemson and I I still believe those I mean yeah Oklahoma's scary enough to kind of beat anybody but look the 
the Army game wasn't some fluky game. Army, Army freaking ran right down their throats and over and over again. And, I mean, Iowa State, look, I mean, if you look at their schedule, I, I, now that they have lost to Texas, I'm granting Oklahoma is capable of beating anybody. Right. Minus maybe Alabama. Like in any one game setting. I just think they are a clear tier below the teams that I consider the very best in the country. And because I've yet to see a reason why we should consider. Like even, I mean. I, th- I think prob- Kyler prob- in this offense is outstanding. And I think that that is a good enough. Like they are, they are leveled up enough that I have to. If I was willing to enter the Red River game considering Oklahoma as being close to that inner circle or that top tier, I just it was it was a back and forth. It was a classic college football game. It was a rivalry game. Oklahoma lost, and it's probably going to hurt their chances of making the college football playoff. But in terms of evaluating the Sooners, like I almost wonder if there's going to be some value on Oklahoma coming out of this. Well, I will find out really quickly. I mean, they play at TCU after a bye week. I mean, who? How do you sort of handicap that game? Do you think? Oklahoma, I mean, I, like minus thirteen and a half. And do you think that's the type of game that they'll win by that sort of number? I don't know. It kind of feels like they're either going to win by three, lose, or win by twenty-one. Yeah, I just don't. I don't. I just can't trust a team that just is in. It can't stop the run, and they. They really can't. I think they get they get up on teams, so teams are forced out of their they, they, teams can't stay patient, right? And so then they so they sort of catch a break. But if you if a team can can dictate the pace, which Texas is able to do by having some good drives early in the game, then I, I think Oklahoma really struggles. Uh, and so that's the thing to watch to me the rest of the way through is like can. And I don't. I mean, look, a team like Texas Tech, I don't really foresee. Given, I, I got in some ways, I, I think Kansas State is a more dangerous team to Oklahoma than, than Texas Tech. You know what I mean? Just a team that is going to patiently grind you away. Oklahoma is going to kill these teams that they try to play their type of ball. But if you get Oklahoma on your terms, which is exactly what Texas did, I, have, I just have very little confidence in that that team because of the defense, which is weird because they got good players. So I don't know what the problem is. I mean, and I you know, know what? I don't stinks? know why their defense can't can't be good. And the, so, c- quotes from Oklahoma's players in the locker room after the game, um, along the lines of, "We've been talking about, uh, you know, th- this improvement that's going to happen every single year, and every single year it's the same thing. A lot of frustration on that side of the ball. Because you're right. I mean, these are they they recruit well. These are highly rated players. These are gifted individual. Uh, players and that's and that's why I think why Oklahoma fans are just going to go back to Stoops and that's that's where the the blame is being pointed. Yeah, and it's always, uh, you know, I, at some point though, <laughs> I think you got to kind of acknowledge that, that that there's a that they're that they need to be better on defense and that the coordinator under which they've been average is has been the same guy, and so. I don't know, you know, that's this is too good of a program to not have one of the elite defensive coordinators in the game. And at this point, it kind of seems like Mike Stoops isn't one of the elite defensive coordinators in the game. Mm. All right, so if uh, that that felt like it was the most significant result of the de- of the college football week, yeah, I will say that Florida beating LSU was probably right there next. Okay, I would have gone with a different one, but I, I was curious. I mean, it, yeah, I was curious where you would go. So, was Notre Dame where so you would pitch, go next? I was going to go Notre Dame. Yeah, pitch, 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 pitch that one to pitch Florida over LSU to me. I I think that what we saw from this in in the spot is like the the full like the full Florida starting to take the next step kind of experience, and I think that for Florida to be able to quickly catch some of that fire and some of that spark and for Dan Mullen to find something and to be able to get that win. I think that now that changes the look of the Florida Georgia game. I think that now we look at the Georgia LSU game a little bit differently. I feel like the ripples 
from this result drastically changed the way that we're looking at the SEC. And because of that, it felt like a very, very significant result. I think Florida fans slept really good Saturday night because that, even more so than the Mississippi State win, which was impressive on the road, uh, to me that really left them feeling confident about this. Pro- All right, we're in good hands. Yeah, this program. This is Dan Mullen through yeah. and through. Yeah, I, and and I think you could make a case right now as they sit here at five and one that Dan Mullen is the you know having the most impressive first year de- debut among among all the new new coaches. Agree. I mean, I guess Mario Cristobal. Is there any others that would be even even a candidate? No. Uh, so Dan Mullen. No, most I, of first year coaches are uh, disappointing. Right. So and hey, he took over a job too, where they went. What they go four? They go four and eight last year. Yep, four and seven. Yeah. I think they finished with eleven games. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I think you uh, you love what you see out of this floor team. I mean, their defense was absolutely flying around, which is what that's not new. But they're but the fact that they're playing hard is is important. I think it means that they're bought in, and 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 offensively, they just they have a plan. And Mississippi State is a tough team to score on two, from two weeks ago, and they just so they knew. All right, what we got to do is let's let's grind away some yards, possess the football. Uh, you know, get Kadarius Tony on a trick play. You know, find our find our spots where we can, and then this one's sort of the same way. I mean, they had scored twenty seven points, and seven of them were from a pick six, and it wasn't like some offensive explosion. But they also kind of very they they, they seemed like they absolutely knew what they needed to do, and and kind of how they needed to to manage this game. And I just think. Um, it's it's not this still isn't a Florida team that's sort of going to s- scare the national favorites. You know, it's not it's not they're not like the the college football landscape for 2018 isn't like quaking based on a Florida win here. I just think it's a it's sort of a validation of the direction that things are going right now in Gainesville. Um, what about for LSU? I mean, this is just this is what I kind of expected in this game. It was going to be a one score game that came down to a last drive that should have gone under except for that last pick six. Did you pick the under? Yes, I did. And did they go, it went over because of that pick six at the end. Yeah. yeah 20 to 19 had me cruising at 39 on a 43. Oh yeah. That's stuff. <laughs> yeah. It was a, you know, the, the smart, if Florida was smart, Brad Stewart would have just need that thing. Down mm. the one yard line, they gave him. They gave him a chance by giving him an eight point lead with, the, you know, two minutes left to, uh, try to win it. Um, I can't so help anyways. but go keep going back to like Bill Connolly's conversations just about maybe the way that turnovers are being overrated because this Florida defense is like that is the main storyline, but then it becomes a little bit of a self fulfilling prophecy in moments like that at the end of the LSU game. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I trust the analytics stuff. And yet, I, sometimes I have a hard time totally buying into like this randomness of turnovers. I mean, if you're a team that's flat getting after the quarterback, and if you're a team that flies around, and I mean, those balls fall into your hands for a reason. Uh, I mean, Brad Stewart, for, I mean, that wasn't a bad throw. And, I mean, he just made a break on it. Uh, that's a guy just made a play. Just freak athletes <laughs> flying yeah. around. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, so I, I mean, with LSU, they're, they're still the – I mean, they are the team I thought they were going in, uh, which is a good team. And they're – I don't I – don't, I still don't think that they are the sort of fraudulent team that, like, Vegas was, was painting them to be through the first three weeks of the season. You know, I don't think this suddenly exposes LSU as some, some overhyped – five and O team before this week. I still think they're good and they'd lost to a good team. Mm. Um, all right. So you were going to say Notre Dame based on Notre Dame takes, obviously. Yeah, I, I think no, I mean, Notre Dame is, it is there, there's so many like options. There's so many 
chances, options, like ways to go to like paint Notre Dame as a fake. You can say, look, Stanford lost again this week. Um, they 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 caught Michigan before Shea Patterson got in a groove in the first offense. They Virginia Tech didn't look that good. Like that, I'm I, I'm I am ready to to like the fact that Notre Dame is not winning the last three games, but they're blowing teams out. To me, allows me to go ahead and make the leap. Like, all right, this is a different Notre Dame than the one that barely beat Ball State and that should have lost to Vanderbilt. We can accept Ian Book as a elevator at the quarterback position for this program, and we can go ahead and say if Notre Dame wins out and keeps on beating teams by 25 points, they will be in the college football playoffs and deserve to be in the college football playoffs and possibly be one of the top four teams in the country. Are you there? Yeah, I mean, of course I'm there, but I just – I it. Is it because it's Notre Dame that that's where the conversation goes and because Notre Dame doesn't have a conference? Because that's the – that like, like I feel like Notre Dame, we are rushing to the first weekend in December. And I, I, I just wish that we had some – there's a lot of games left. And I'm not suggesting that Notre Dame is fraudulent and I'm not suggesting that Notre Dame can't, shouldn't, or won't be in the college football playoff or even win a national championship. I just think that – we look down Notre Dame's schedule like, boom. I mean, they're going to be favored in all these games. You win, 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 win. Okay, so what Power 5 conference is getting knocked out? Like, we are jumping to yeah. the end of the season without, you know, and, and I think that you uh, are spot on. And let's let's take a look at, you know, just sort of the way that this has gone, especially compared not only to Ball State, but to Vanderbilt and the, the growth that they've had. And not only Ian Book, but also with Dexter Williams returning from his suspension and just having a couple of, of breakout games and bringing an edge to this rushing attack. Like, all of these things combined with just sort of a relentless, super experienced and deep defense, yes, this is a different Notre Dame team, but I, I, I just wish that we didn't... We were able to appreciate that and, and almost take it on a week-by-week basis without feeling like we need to play out all the musical chair scenarios. Yeah. I don't know why there's that. T- I think the temptation is because like, all right, what, like, like you said, I mean, they maybe at USC by the end of the season will be a game that is, um, you know, that can, could command a little bit of weight, but, and Hey, maybe Florida state improves, but the record still isn't going to look good. And so now we just look at their schedule and we see a bunch of unranked teams and it's like, all right, we better start deciding what we think of this Notre Dame team because they're not going to get tested the rest of the way. Um, but, I, I, I mean, I'm impressed with Notre Dame. I'm impressed with Notre Dame because I think one of the things that, that strikes you about this team is they are – like we are seeing what it looks like to recruit well in terms of having depth. I mean, Dexter Williams rushing for 176 yards or whatever it is is the backup running back against uh, a sound Virginia Tech defense – is impressive. Then losing Equinemius St. Brown to the NFL draft and then rolling out Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin and just saying, here are our next two 6'5 receivers is impressive. You know, that their backup quarterback is better than their first string quarterback, who was a five star, borderline five star guy, is impressive. Like, th- this is a team that when you have, when you're playing at an elite level, Year over year, you have to be able to recruit well and and have depth. And I think Notre Dame has developed that depth. And I do think we talked about this in the picks in the uh, over under spot. I do think you have to sort of credit the strength and conditioning hire that Brian Kelly made, and as making a big difference because I think we're we're seeing that we're seeing guys actually now develop. All right, the backups when they roll up, like they're good at Notre Dame, and so um, I think that they deserve some credit for that. I also think we we did a little myth busting this weekend with with Lane Stadium. There was so much talk about Lane Stadium coming into this game. I, from me too, like I love the mystique of that of the Inner Sandman of the of that crowd at night. But that's not a, that's not a scary environment in the sense that the history isn't there to be scared. Like 2017, I. I, I in prepping for this call for this show, I, I looked back 
and this is probably out there somewhere in someone's postgame story. I could have just saved myself some time. But Oh, they're like one in nine in their last ten against ranked opponents at Lane Stadium. Okay, yeah, and I looked at night, and it was like, all right, they lost to Clemson at night, 2017, 31-17. 2015, they lost to Ohio State at night, 42-24. Lane Stadium night, Florida State, they lost. That was actually close, at least, in 2012. That was uh, 28-22. 2011, lost to Clemson, 23-3. 2009, they had home wins over Nebraska and Miami, but they weren't at night. And then the, the, last, the, first, the last time I could find a night win in Lane Stadium against a ranked opponent was against Maryland, who was ranked 23rd in the country in 2008. So, like, what were we all scared of? Like, what were we all, like, worried about in Notre Dame not being able to cover the spread? It's not, it's, it's a myth. Well, it's a great atmosphere, and there's just not the evidence that it, it, it makes for upsets because the, you know, who gets gobbled up by the atmosphere is like North Carolina. That's who gets gobbled up by the atmosphere, or uh, or Maryland, as you mentioned, for example. Like this, it it is a really tough atmosphere, but it's not one that it's not like the you can't you can't give it the less miles. It's where dreams go to die because there's just not a, examples of it. Right, right. So that's a good that's something to to remember, especially in a year. And then and I'm and I am not going to solely this nor. Notre Dame win by a dog in Virginia Tech, but and and so this is. But there I'm were a lot say- of national voices. I mean, I was doing radio hits around the country, and people were like, "So chip, it's Lane Stadium, it's Metallica. Is Notre Dame going to be shook?" <laughs> and I fell, I fell into that. I was like, "Yeah, I think this is going to be cool." I don't. I think Notre Dame. My play was, I think Notre Dame is going to win this game. If I got to make a play, I will take. I will take Notre Dame. I think it's a good chance it stays within the number and it's a close game. But there isn't really any reason to think that. And I also do think this Virginia Tech team perhaps is just not that good. Um, <laughs> man, because, just sullying, sullying Notre Dame's win no, right no, because now. Because here's what I say. Like, but this is the point, though, is Notre Dame goes in and they, they it was never close. Sure, yes. They beat them like they weren't good. So, right. so, I, don't, so I don't say that to, like, you know, backhanded compliment Notre Dame, they, they they beat them like they should beat a team that isn't that good. And and maybe they are good, but I do think like before the season we thought we we thought about how Virginia Tech doesn't you know, they lost all these guys on defense, they 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 have all this attrition, they had all these injuries, and then they beat Florida State and we were bought in all of a sudden. And now we know what Florida State is. They lose Old Dominion. Okay, you can get caught slipping they could beat Duke, okay? Well, maybe we, maybe they are. Maybe this team is good. They just got caught slipping. Uh, but I just think, hey, if you're kind of a top forty-ish team, and I think that's they're like hovering around top forty-ish. That's kind of what this Virginia Tech team is. And so, and Notre Dame beat them as they should beat a team that's hovering around top forty-ish on the road at night. So, props to Notre Dame. But uh, this is going to be a rebuilding year in a way for Virginia Tech. It's going to be like a, you know, eight and four will be. They'll be happy with that if they can get it there's so many top 40 wins that get counted as ranked wins on a profile in a college football season yeah a lot of teams that and, for, and there, for there a is, week or for like a week or two they slide in there at the 19 to 25 spot mm. but i think also there is something to when i look back and i like when i was my, my talking point for Tom Herman in Texas and in, in the Oklahoma game was how Tom Herman is 12 and one against the spread against ranked teams. And all right, well, I don't know how many of those teams finished ranked by the end of the year, but when they came into the game, they were ranked and that doesn't necessarily determine how good the team is, but I do think it determines how big the game is. It determines how big the moment is and, and being prepared for that moment and taking care of business is like there is, there is, credit due for those sort of successes all right um i i feel like i'm playing the role of sec homer here but uh i think that kentucky's loss does not change how about this kentucky's loss does not change what kentucky is what kentucky can be i think that uh didn't we kind of talk ourselves into this being a spot where you know it just feels like a, a texas a&m fortified when like Jimbo Fisher was able to 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 get 
that win against a ranked team, even though that ranked team might be against Kentucky. We kind of talked ourselves into this kind of result, right? Yeah, I think this is this this is sort of exactly what I thought would happen to this one too. And this like Kentucky, it was close to the very end. Um, and but this this like this game validated everything we thought about these teams. We thought Kentucky was real was actually really good. We also thought Texas A and M was was very good despite two losses. Um, and we we thought Kentucky's defense is legit. We thought Kentucky's offense is limited and is going to struggle if you play a really good team, which they did. I mean, they didn't move the ball very much, but but they but they just but that's just who Kentucky's going to be this year. I mean, they were they kept it close. They they didn't they didn't make mistakes. They didn't give A and M a chance to beat them. They just they just kept on sort of grinding. And I mean, this was a this was a cool game to just watch a couple of kind of bulls run into each other um all game i mean i i i think you leave this game thinking highly of both these teams i think kentucky's still a top 15 type of team i think texas a&m is a top 15 type of team georgia comes to town on november 3rd it's the same day that we're going to have bama lsu any chance kentucky goes upset city on the bulldogs i mean i don't I don't expect it, but I also I think it's in the realm of possibility. Georgia, Georgia at Kentucky, Alabama at LSU. Bold prediction. One, one of, of the two. Down. Yeah, one of them goes down. I, I could get with that. I don't know I like which one. Prediction. But that's that just it seems it's all too clean right now. Like this was even uh this was even a game, you know, quickly. I thought Georgia Vanderbilt was a reaffirming game for Jake Fromm. Right, it you was know? sort of the like, uh, hey, don't forget I can throw, guys, type of game. Like he he made some plays with his arm. Wide receivers made some plays, uh, and and yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it was a it was it was a bit of a just sort of self correct game. All right, let's get let's get back in the middle of the road here, and 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 make sure every you know we make a statement here. And and it was it just was never. It wasn't like an Alabama forty-nine to nothing in the first quarter game, but it was a it was a game where they never they controlled it from from the second drive on. Well, they they needed to do it because this is going to be their last game in Sanford Stadium until November tenth, when they will be welcoming Auburn for the uh, Deep South Saltus rivalry. The schedule as follows from here: Georgia again, as we mentioned, they will be in Baton Rouge at LSU. Uh, then they are off for a week and back in the cocktail party game against Florida. Then they are at Kentucky. So this is a uh, this is the season for the Bulldogs right here. LSU, yeah. Florida, Kentucky. Uh, and I think that all those East teams, well, let me see, I'll say all those teams you just mentioned are scarier than Auburn. Oh yeah, and what, so so how? What do you think about Auburn? Auburn, Mississippi State. We we get uh, iTunes comments about being too heavy on the SEC. We should really work on balancing that. But this just—I promise this just happens. This is just where the games were this weekend. Yeah, we'll get to the other conferences, but I mean, that one played out about. I mean, I kind of saw that one as well, right? I mean, Mississippi State is tough. Mississippi State ran down their throat a little bit. Like I'll say that. Like maybe that surprised me a little bit. Is that not that they had success running it just by like force of will, but that they had as much success as they did. But man, how bad is Auburn's offense? Auburn's offense did not cat. Like they, there were a bunch of bad breaks in this game for Auburn, but not the kind of bad breaks that I look at as excuse. The kind of bad breaks where I'm like, you know historically in my experience, these kind of bad breaks, they happen to bad teams, teams that might be talented, but teams that just aren't playing great football. And those are the kind of bad breaks that I feel like I saw Auburn have in this game. Can you see Auburn? First of all, I think we, would you agree that Auburn will be underdogs against certainly Georgia and Alabama, but also against A&M, right? Ooh, is that game? Is that Auburn? Maybe not. Maybe I mean, not. It's a home game, huh? Maybe not. But I, I mean, yeah. I could, I could see that being maybe. But if, they're like, let's say they're four and two right now. I expect them to lose at Georgia and at Alabama. So, so they're starting here with four losses. 
Tennessee at Ole Miss and A&M, uh, I, I mean, they to me, they lose at least one of those, right? Mm, maybe only A&M is the only one I, I would be – like A&M is the difference between 7-5 and five and 8-4. and four. Uh, Yes. So it's uh, to me, they're an 8-14. They'll be an 8-14. And, and that's – I tell you the good news – Jared Stidham may be, maybe maybe back next year. I mean, it's gonna be hard for him to. Uh, the, the stock's gonna be limited. Yeah. With the way things have gone so far, I mean, how do you? I mean, he's. How do you? How do you sell him as a first-round quarterback, with the, the way this middle half of the season has gone? I don't know, man. I've I've given up on trying to understand. I mean, Mitch Trubisky was eight and four. He was the first quarterback taken. Well, you watched him. Did he look? Did he look like? I mean, could you? Did he? Did he look like he wasn't a first-round quarterback, or did he look like he was a really talented guy on a team that was just okay? He was a really talented. Uh, he's a really, really talented player on a team that was all right. I mean, I think Stidham looks like a third-round quarterback right now, and I think he. I think he has some. I think he probably has first-round tools if he could showcase them more effectively. If that makes sense, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I don't know. So that, <laughs> Auburn may be solving their quarterback problem for next year, though. That's all I'm saying. Well, what? All right. So what? What felt really significant? Or what stood out to you? You ready to talk about Stanford? Uh, well, before we get too deep in this pod, what about the the was it Friday night or Thursday night when Paul Johnson just went ham on Brian Van Gorder? Friday night. I mean, hey, dude, we called that, and 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 the we called this this Louisville issue here, and that that we didn't that I didn't see this short week coming with Brian Van Gorder defense playing Paul Johnson, who remember now, Paul Johnson left Georgia Southern. Brian Van Gorder is hired as a head coach, and he said he wasn't going to move their offense in the 21st century. Yep. And uh, Brian Paul Johnson didn't like that too much. Uh, one season later, Van Gorder's gone. What a bizarre coaching career Brian Van Gorder's had. Did you he know had, that Paul- he had like four years in, 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 at Georgia, where he was where he he put together really good defenses. Aside from that, I can't. I, I don't even understand why he was hired at Georgia for that. For, first of all, I mean he was. He was hired from like Central Michigan or something from to to take over the Georgia job, but he, he's not he's not really had success as a coordinator at, at any spot other than Georgia. Did you know that uh, when that quote came out, Paul Johnson immediately got on the phone and tried to schedule Georgia Southern? I did. Yes. <laughs> Did you yeah. know that it, Paul Johnson's wanted nothing more than to beat the hell out of Brian Van Gorder ever since 2005-2006? Did a Paul did a Paul Johnson team play a Van Gorder team at Notre Dame? Um I guess or maybe they maybe they that would be my question. But either way, that was clearly a that was a grudge match of epic proportions and they got absolutely housed. Louisville is in trouble, man. Uh, so that may not have been the most important game, but I thought that was one of the more interesting, uh, interesting. Kind of I results. had even forgotten the the beef. I was just going on uh, Paul Johnson against cross division opponents not named Clemson. They play Clemson every single year. Everyone else rotates on the schedule. Fourteen and one. I, I want to give you. I just want to get. Just this is fascinating to me. I want to give you Brian Van Gorder's resume as a coach. Okay, he he coached a bunch of high, a bunch of high schools for a few years. Then he was a Grand Valley State linebacker coach for a couple years, DC for one year. Then he gets the Wayne State job where he graduated from, coached there for three years, was sixteen and seventeen in three years. Okay, then he was the linebackers coach for a couple years at UCF, the D coordinator for a year. Then he gets the D coordinator job at Central Michigan for two years, the D coordinator job at at Western Illinois for a year. Then he gets the Georgia D coordinator job immediately after that for five years. 
goes to the Jags for a year, head coach at Georgia Southern for a year, Falcons linebackers coach for a year, Falcons DC for four years. Then he goes to Auburn DC, gets fired, three and eight season, whatever that was. New York Jets, and then Notre Dame, and now you know now and then he was a Georgia analyst and Oklahoma State analyst, and now Louisville DC. I'm 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 just sort of at awe at this career. It's just a it's just a bizarre career. And he he's a Broyles he has a Broyles Award mixed in there for in 2003 at Georgia. So I mean credit credit him for getting that paycheck and keeping it rolling. Uh, he, he's but. Uh, Louisville's in trouble. I mean, that's that's what really uh, that's you you don't realize when you're a twenty four year old that going to every single coaches convention and hanging out around the bars gonna end up paying off, but it's gonna pay off in those power five defensive analyst jobs when you're out of work later in life. He's got a lot of a lot of drinking buddies out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> you 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 thought just uh, having to having to put that $80 convention registration fee on your credit card was a little bit of a risk, but Brian Van Gorder, <laughs> it is paying off right now. No doubt. All <laughs> right. So there's my, there's my Brian Van Gorder tangent. Um, so, all right. Yes. Probably Utah Stanford's is of note because Utah, that, that was the team I, I was hoping Utah would be all year and they finally showed up. Um, and I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming out of this the other side. I'm really concerned about Stanford. That too. That be- too. Because all right. So what is the thing that like what to me? We've talked about the you know what what to expect from Utah's offense. A little bit of a, a mixed bag there, but like being have, having Zach Moss be consistent on the ground, like that's that is your your anchor. Like that is your last piece for me to make a Utah team really, really good to take it to that next level. And I was looking at it and I was like, man, is it possible that Washington state, I know Washington's run defense is better than Stanford's, but is it possible that even Washington state's run defense is better than Stanford's right now? Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking here at, at, at Stanford's schedule, I mean, if if I'm going to give them a break, I'll, I'll give them this. I mean, they played. I mean, San Diego State's a tough Week One game. They played USC, won that one. They after those first two weeks, they're beat up. Then they play a really physical Oregon team, physical a really Notre- physical Notre Dame team, a really physical Utah team. They may just be sort of tapping out right now and just just be just needing some. Needing some air. Uh, they and do. They, they do have. Uh, by the way, I think this next week off, they return to action on what looks like a Thursday night against Arizona State. Right, which isn't going to be an easy, easy setting either. Right. Um, so, I mean, and and in a way, like this is, this is clearly the the toughest part of their schedule was the first half. So now they get to the second half, and and not that I think, I mean, hey, they got at Washington, but. Not that I think Arizona State or Washington, like the, both those teams look. Washington State and Arizona State both look pretty good, um, or or at least at least serviceable, uh, but nothing like the kind of stretch they just went on. Assuming Utah's good, so I don't know, and it's hard to know what to make of Stanford. And KJ Costello is a little bit, a little bit. I mean, that's the one of the things that always worry about KJ Costello at quarterback is how emotional he is. He's always been that way, like he's a fiery guy. And I think that he lets that sometimes drive him and get, you know, get get away from him a little bit. And we saw that a little bit against Utah. Um, let's see. So Miami, Florida State. Uh, bigger takeaway on that one was Florida State winning, you know, losing close. Right. I mean, I they, don't know. I get, were, I go no no moral victories here. They kind of had that game won, and they just like the the weakness the. Being Miami does have one of the best defensive fronts in the entire country, so there needs to be some limitations or some understandings for what the expectation is going to be for Florida State. But at the same time, I feel like if if they could just get any kind of edge in the second half, they win that ball game. But their their offense just turtled up. How did they? So confession here, this wasn't one of the main games I was watching. 
And I'm just sitting here looking at the box score right now. They had 200 yards of offense. What happened? How did they? How did they even keep that thing close? Because um, they jumped out to a what? They were up 27 to seven at one point, weren't they? Yep. Um, yeah. This is so maybe. Yeah. So maybe it, my takeaway is too generous. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, the entire the entire second half, like. My, I mean, Florida State just had nothing. Florida State was was in a good spot, and then all of a sudden, for the final twenty minutes, I don't know if they got a single first down. Yeah. Well, I guess the. I mean, like I don't think Nikosi Perry is an overwhelming uh, is is an overwhelming success at quarterback just because he had four touchdowns in this game. Like there were two turnovers uh, in that span that set up very, very short fields. And then all of a sudden, you know, you come right off a turnover and he's got Jeff Thomas on a corner route because he's beat his man one-on-one, touch, real quick touchdown, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there must have been – it must have been a bad special teams play out of Miami or something because now I'm looking at their drives and Florida State went eight for – 58 for their opening drive and then they went – Field goal after six for 18 yards, six for 36 yards, touchdown, four plays, 16 yards, field goal. Like, uh, So, yeah, it appears that maybe this is just a misleading number. But I just think uh, my, my my initial take was just that you know, Florida State, even though it's as incremental as it might be, they're improving, but maybe they're not improving. Yeah, I just – I mean, I think that they are like – they're better than Northern Illinois – they weren't better than Syracuse on a given day. I think that we're going to see them, you know, in a we're going to see see them in a couple of these last games down the stretch where, you know, they've the the math is hard at 3 and 3. If they had gotten this win, it is much more they've got four team I think they've got four ranked teams left on the schedule and now they've got to win every single one of them to be able to make a bowl. If they had yeah. been able to get this win, then they would have only had to get one of those out of those four chances against a ranked teams and then take care of business against the teams that you're going to be favored against. Now they've got to like beat NC state to even make the postseason. I thought this was a big time opportunity squandered by the Seminoles. Yeah. Um, so you're Indiana covered against Ohio state. Yep. Uh, I think there's a blue. I think there is an Ohio State blueprint, like to beat Ohio State right now. And Indiana had it. They just don't have the guys. Uh, they you throw the ball, you throw the ball well. You know, if you got if you got the quarterback and the receivers, you can move the ball in the air. Uh, you you know you do your best to try to limit them in the run game and force them to throw underneath. Indiana just didn't have the the guys to kind of do it all game there. Like they, they, you know, they, they just started bending. But I, I think, I think there's a, I think there's a blueprint here and I'm not sure that given what the blueprint is, I'm not sure that maybe, maybe Michigan state isn't a, a threat more so than people realize and more so than Michigan, maybe even Michigan. Because mm. Michigan state is a very flawed team. But they can throw the ball. They are, yeah, they're a spread team right now. Yeah, and they can stop the run. Yeah. They can't run it, but they can stop the run and they can throw the ball. And every once in a while, they'll get a stop in the pass game. But uh, so that's a that, like, where's that game played? Is Michigan State playing that one at uh, in East Lansing? Uh, they are. Yeah, they got Ohio State at home, and Ohio State's hosting Michigan State, or hosting Michigan. So. Maybe like hot take alert, but like if maybe the most losable game left on Ohio State schedule is Michigan State and stop Michigan. Uh, could be something to watch. Um, I don't disagree with you. I did think the Michigan had a good win against Maryland. Yeah, uh, I mean Michigan's look. Good. Michigan is even the even the Northwestern game. I think was that score is a little bit misleading. Uh, yeah, Michigan's starting to look like. I mean, they're. I fully expect Michigan to be. I mean, they got Wisconsin at home, they have Penn State at home, they go to Michigan State. 
I bet you that they've. I bet you they win all those games. Man, that's that's selling Penn State stock pretty quickly, or is that just belief in Michigan? I mean, I think maybe it's. I mean, look, that's. If if they were going to Happy Valley, maybe I pick Penn State in that one. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. Miss Penn State could. I'm not down on Penn State. I just think Michigan. I think we could. I think the most. How should I phrase this? I think what I just expect Michigan to be ten and one heading into Ohio State. I think that's what I think right now. Hmm. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Um. I am going into uh, I'm going into the fade Colorado spot. Is that unfair? Why? Because they just because just because they're five and zero now. Yeah, it's cause, just that's a misleading five and zero. I no, I just I, I think the I think the market value is going to be really high on Colorado. I see, I see I sense a good a good opportunity to maybe short some stock there. I'm good with that because we've we've gobbled, or at least look, I've gobbled up all the cheap Colorado stock. Yes. And now the price is soaring, and so I'm okay to offload a little bit of that. I can get on board with that. They they you know they though I do think that was a good win. There was a lot of smart people thinking Arizona State was going to win that game, um, but now they're going to USC this weekend, and that one's going to be fun. So yeah, well I I, I don't know what the line is. I haven't seen them, but that, that I'd, I'd be curious what that line's going to look like. Um, I also came out with a little bit. So there were two teams, uh, one of them being NC State, uh, the other one being West Virginia. And they are, of course, tied together because there was the game they were going to play against each other. It, it felt like both of those teams played games that they should have won by a lot more, but turnovers, miscues, and like – I think Ryan Finley had two turnovers. Will Greer had three interceptions, a couple of them in the red zone or maybe even in the end zone, I think. Uh, I just I felt like I was watching those two teams as they've continued to be undefeated and continued to move up and and feeling like there was something to be desired. And I don't know if that's being uh, bored with the opponent or being lackadaisical, but it, it was at least – Make it was a, it was alarming enough for me me to make notes that these teams while they are undefeated and unbeaten, uh, they they have shown some flaws here in the first weekend of October. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, look, NC State is still. I tried to catch some NC State just to just to see some flashes of, and, and finally get some opinions on them. And I I just think that that's a. I mean, BC is never going to be BC's good. They're never going to be an easy team to get to beat, even if they're, even if they got AJ Dillon hurt. I just think they're gonna, they're gonna keep things close. I don't really fault them for, for winning a little bit ugly there. West Virginia, I mean, just hard to hard to get up for a Kansas game. I, I don't know that I'm gonna ding them as much as you seem to, to be ready to for those. I I still think both have a chance. I still think both might be, as good as anybody not named. Clemson for NC State in their conference, and as good as anyone not named. Well, West Virginia I, could be as good as anyone in the Big Twelve. I, I think West Virginia could be as good as anyone in the Big Twelve. I think that NC State can beat Clemson. They could beat them for sure. I agree. Um, uh, what about before uh, we we talked Pac twelve briefly, but um, before we get totally out of the Pac twelve, uh, UCLA loved they, it. They 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 uh, you talk about Colorado maybe you know being five and zero and maybe starting to catch some some uh you know some front runners ucla's winless but their opponents are like a, a combined like 26 and 3 like they've played the i got i gotta imagine this is the best the toughest records the yeah. best record of collective record of their opponents of anybody in the country and if you really look at it they've been competitive in all those games Mm. Not that they've had a chance to win all those games, but they've been competitive. Right. They've also you know looked I mean? like I think those are two different things. True. They've also looked terrible at stretches this season. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I don't know what stretch like what stretch. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, they looked bad against Cincinnati when we had in our head that Cincinnati wasn't very good, and not that Cincinnati is, uh, you know, a power five, top tier team, but they've. Cincinnati hadn't lost yet to anybody. You know, they looked bad against Oklahoma at times, but who hadn't? 
Uh, I don't know what happened in Fresno State. I'll pass on that one. But Colorado, they were winning most of the first half, and Washington Washington controlled the game, but, but UCLA was within seven points two different times late in the second half. And so my, my thing on UCLA is they have, I think, made strides and are getting better. They ran the ball well against Washington. They, like They had a 100-yard rusher. That's not easy to do against that against that defense they had dorian thompson robinson had success through the air uh they had a 17 yard score or 17 play scoring drive in the second half which i mean look when they start getting guys in that offense among those 17 plays one of those is gonna get busted off for a big play in in the future Uh, you know and, and just the fact that they were able to move the ball so consistently like that i just think they're one of the teams talk about like selling your colorado stock I, you know, I hope that the that it doesn't get inflated too much by a seven point loss to to Washington. But I, I think now's the time to maybe start buying some of the the UCLA stock because you know they can go and beat Cal, they can beat Arizona, they can beat Utah. Like there's they I, there's not a game on this schedule the rest of the way at the time when they come where you couldn't tell me you know retrospectively you know I look in the Biff's almanac or whatever and it says UCLA beats X team. And I'd be like, that's hard to believe. I think they, I could see them upsetting any of the teams left on their schedule. I think they end up winning at least two games. Um, did you see Dorian Thompson Robinson shake that dude out of his shoes at like the five yard line? No, but he's an athlete. Man, I'm with you. Like that's I, obviously I was in on the the lock for the the UCLA plus twenty one, so I was loving it. But you took you took UCLA plus twenty one. Was that not in a lock? Maybe that would have. So. Maybe I thought I thought about playing in one of mine, but I, you, I don't think you you went public with that. Oh well, maybe, maybe that's just all your in your side gig. Maybe, maybe, maybe just, just your bookie knows about that one. Maybe this it was it was a take I gave out on the local radio here. So right. yeah, that was a, that's a, winners winners. If you want to tune in on uh, to Raleigh Radio on Thursday afternoons. Nice. Uh, <laughs> um. All right. Let's see. Did, I did not get many eyes on South Carolina, Missouri. That was what. That was a fun game. I tried to. I mean, you, you know, you had to sort of find it between weather delays. But uh, that game was wild. I mean, pouring rain, monsoon rain. Student section was still in it, like feeling it. It got chippy. You know, a lot of like fights and stuff there. I mean, but it was it, it was a fun one to watch. I think South Carolina benefited from the rain a little bit because Drew Locke just didn't handle it that well. Uh, there, I think that's, I think rain or no rain, these are two teams that are about two points apart either way, anyways. Um, but I think a, that was a critical win for South Carolina to figure out a way to get that done because if they don't, talk about daunting. I mean, you look at the rest of their schedule; they got to go to. They got to play A and M this weekend. Uh, they got at Florida and at Clemson as probable losses down the road. Uh, you know they lose that one. You know they're staring at what are they? They'd be two and three, staring at maybe six and six. Uh, so big win for South Carolina under Michael Skarnecchia. Steve Spurrier leaves a a quarterback behind. That gives South Carolina a big win when they need it. Was so, that a ball coach recruit? That's an old ball coach recruit right there. Is he a sixth-year player? <laughs> I think he's a – I don't know. I think fifth-year senior maybe, but he's uh, he's been there for a minute. Jake, yeah. Is Jake Bentley's job gone? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> – who knows? Who knows? The Jake Bentley mystery is is will continue. Man, the, the fever pitch of South Carolina excitement – prior to that Georgia game and then just sort of where we are now where I'm just hoping that we hit that win total. Yeah. The South Carolina media who is, it was very like they were just so, so on the South Carolina train early in the season, like all of them predicting South Carolina to beat Georgia. Chip, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I think they can go to the college football playoff. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's it's uh it's uh it's, they've come back down to earth a little bit and but hey maybe that maybe that emotional win over missouri in the rain gives them enough to get past a and that's gonna be a tough matchup this weekend i'm not gonna say that they can beat alabama in atlanta 
but we've seen two SEC teams in the playoff before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Quality win over Georgia. Quality win over Clemson. I'm seeing it. I see it. (laughs) Uh, So what else you got here? Um, Anything else? Anything else in the notebook? Yeah, I was uh, a little bit disappointed at the end of the night to see Cal not be able to close it out against Arizona. Didn't didn't stay up for that one. Um, Sleep. Khalil Tate didn't. Yeah, like it was it was Arizona's defense that was making it happen. You know, so you you were watching Arizona win, but it wasn't even Khalil Tate flying around making it making crazy plays. Um, Did you see any of Pitt Syracuse? Nope. That line stunk, and those who jumped on, I guess, the sharp side of Pittsburgh cashed their ticket. Syracuse yeah. jumped out to a 14 nothing lead in this game, and Pittsburgh just put the ball on the ground and quadri one-touch Olison's hands, and uh, he, he had a couple long touchdown runs, finished with a big old rushing total. That was it's a gonna, weird It's going to be a really tough sell for me to ever – get on a pit game what like for or against i just i i know nothing about what to expect out of pit it, it week in week out that program is as unpredictable to me as there is out there um and also in the acc dave clausen <laughs> dave clausen quote no i didn't think they were trying to run it up we just can't stop a simple football play right now <laughs> Hey man, I, I you know That's, fire your fire your own defensive coordinator in week three at your own risk. Just don't expect the defense to get better unless you got like a. I mean, it's it, I don't even know that they do. We have a defensive coordinator right now. When they fired Jay Sawville initially, they didn't even promote anybody. He just said, "We'll we'll you know we'll let you know later." So unless you got like a clear guy that like is ready to change things up and improve things, I don't know what you know what you're expecting to gain. Um, and he, and he just continues to throw here's uh, an interesting observation from that game. Sam Hartman, the freshman weight quarterback just seems to like he is zeroed in on Greg Dortch and there are other wake receivers that can be just as capable, but there just doesn't seem to be that chemistry that you see and wakes, you know, because he's zeroing in on the number one receiver wakes drives are three plays, five yards, 15 seconds of game time. Right. And they all, and they play with such good, big tempo anyways. And yeah, to me, the big, like that score 60, 63 to three. And like the, you know, you would think, all right, well, uh, Trevor Lawrence time has begun there. There look, look what happens. But to me, the bigger takeaway is like, all right, finally Clemson's defense is, was just dominating an opponent the way, you know, guys like me who picked them to win a national championship thought they'd be doing all season. Defense has been fine, but this is what they're supposed to look like. Yeah. Uh, and so that was encouraging if you're, you know, if you're a, if you're a Clemson guy. Um, other than that, man, not a, not, I think that's pretty much everything from the notebook. Two more things. Arkansas got killed, but that's another team that's had a rough start that I think is getting better. And they had some, like they had some moments where they, you know, they challenged Alabama a little bit here and there in that first half. Uh, Did you they, enjoy they, the uh, early game coverage from the limited cameras? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was revealing of the crowd. Saving it could be happy about that. Yeah, well, it was looks like another. It was on the road, right? Exactly respond. Oh, was it? Was that in Arkansas? Oh, yes, it was. Well, then there wasn't much of an Arkansas crowd. That was all I was thinking. For some reason, I was thinking it was in Alabama. Man, how, how did people make that those Nick Saban against the crowd comments? How has that become a national talking point? Like, I'm glad it's not being taken seriously, but are we just bored with Alabama and need to talk about Alabama? We are bored with Alabama. We are very bored with Alabama. Everyone is bored with Alabama. And it's – do they play anybody this week? Does Alabama have a game worth 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 assault? Missouri at home. Missouri. Not so not really. Then at Tennessee. Yeah, I mean we we gotta wait till November third to play a game that you know, where we feel like they've actually got a test in front of them. And Auburn looks totally incapable of beating this Alabama team. So Alabama's got two games. 
at LSU and Mississippi State, and the Mississippi State being close is generous. So this is going to be a boring season for Alabama. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm excited about? I'm excited that we do have a college football playoff, and at least there'll be two chances for Alabama to lose. Seriously. Before they uh, before we crown them national champions. Hey, quick quick uh, misread by me on Jeff Grimes being this the savior at BYU. Goosh. They are struggling right now. Got absolutely ran out of the building by Utah State on Friday night, which I picked. I picked Utah State to win, but I didn't pick them to beat, beat them forty-five to twenty. Uh, so Kalani Sataki. I think I think BYU. And we're we're gonna look up at the end of the year, and BYU is gonna be an eight and four team. I don't think so. Really? I don't think so. I think well, I think it'll be six and six ish. Oh man. And and but and and we're gonna look back and we'll be like. Whoa! They beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. What in the world happened there? Because I don't, still don't really know what happened there. Because uh, that offense just can't move. There's not. It just looks. They're, they're by the week. They're looking more and more like the BYU of last year. Not good. Not good. Uh, All right. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve.